Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Welcome everyone on the Strength to Strength here this morning, and we are looking forward here to having uh, Brother Bill Shiley share with us on singlehood. I think it's a it's an important topic and something we all t- we need to talk about or let Bill talk about, I think, and maybe we can talk about it then too at the end. So we will have a a, a Q and A here at the end, like like usual, and so you can be ready for some discussion in that. And um, I don't know Bill personally very well, but I'll let you introduce yourself, Bill. And you've been on here before, but introduce yourself a little bit, and and we can go into that. Um, but before we do that, maybe we will have have a, have a word of prayer here. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this this morning. Thank you for this time we can gather together in this way, virtually. And I just pray your blessing on this meeting. I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified. And I pray for uh, you would speak to uh, to us through Bill. And I pray that you would uh, he'd be able to inspire us with this on this topic. I thank you for the the singles in our communities. And I just pray your blessing on them. I pray that you would help us to help us to see the value in that and and to honor them in that. God, I pray that you would you'd be glorified here today. I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done, and that this can be a this um, this talk can be encouragement in, towards that end. I pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Okay, Bill. God bless you. Go ahead. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, as I said, my name is Bill Shiley. Um, I'm 40 years old and uh, I'm single. Um, I live in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. I'm part of Chambersburg Christian Fellowship. Uh, you're going to hear a lot about them this morning because they're a big part of of um, of making my life what it is today. Um, th- this talk is really um, some serious irony because. Um, I'm I'm not one of those guys that just decided I was going to be single. Um, I uh, Bill Shiley and single should not belong in the same paragraph unless there's a big knot before it. Um, and uh, so I, I I I took this assignment largely. I kind of jumped the gun right off the bat because I knew that as as God's worked in my life on this subject, I knew that someday this is probably going to come, and uh, it's a lot of the reason I'm doing this talk this morning is is out of gratitude to God for work he's done in my life um, and hopefully sharing some some things I've learned in my journey um, can be a help to you um, if you are single and also to um, to the rest of us as we we learn to work together and um, as as part of God's family um, so yeah i I uh I never intended to be single. It's actually probably been one of the the contexts that's provided some of the biggest battles and faith crises in my life. Um, I remember when I was 18, I, at that point, I was the church I was part of required us to be 19 before we could start dating. And I thought, I remember thinking I was going to die waiting until I was 19. Um, and uh, here I am uh, 22 years later. Um, I've attempted several times, asked quite a few girls out, 
and we got told no, dated a couple of times and it didn't work out. So, um, yeah, so I hope that this talk can be an encouragement to singles out there. And uh, I guess one thing I want to leave uh, this morning is that it's doable. Um, it's not like something that you have to limp along and, and be a, a crippled all your life um, if you wanted to be married but aren't. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of different reasons people are single and there's different perspectives. And so this morning I can't try to, to speak from all those. Um, obviously there's males and females that are, that are single. Um, obviously I can only speak from the male perspective. So ladies, there's uh, other people you'll have to talk to, to answer some of your particular, um, needs and issues. Um, although there are some things that are common, of both both men and women. <clears throat> There's also people who are single and they're in their home community. They have biological family around and that changes the scenery quite a bit. Um, then there's, you know, people who are outside the, their home community, don't have family around, but have good family to go back to, to connect with, to call home to. And then there's singles who, I'm using the term uh, singles indeed, Paul uses that about widows, um, that the church should save its time and resources for those who are widows indeed, who are destitute. They, they don't have anyone to take care of them um, for whatever reason. And there are singles that are like that. They don't have family or very little family. There's uh, complications. They've had to leave family for the sake of the kingdom. Um, and that that as, through that progression, it does change what being single looks like and the needs of a single person. Um, a lot. Um, and then there are people who are single for a lot of different reasons. There's people who are single because they're a loner. They just, whatever reason, they're not a per- people person. Um, they'd rather, you know, sit in a cabin in the woods and shoot deer and, and, and eat salt pork or whatever your stereotype is there. Um, there's people who are single because they just don't, aren't really attracted to the opposite gender for whatever reasons. Um, single People are single because they don't want the risk. Um, it's um, just it, it just looks too scary or too involved, and <laughs> they'd rather stay away from marriage. Um, there's some who are that way because they're self-centered. They they don't want the encumbrances of having a wife, having children to to care for and sacrifice for. Um, there's people who are single because they're socially awkward. Uh, there's People who are single because they have sin or maturity issues in their life that is keeping them from being relation, healthy relationship material. And um, my document jumped me ahead too far here. Um, there's people who are single because they wish for a family, but they haven't gotten married. There's people who are single because of obedience to Jesus um, about a previous relationship. Um, and so they're being celibate because... Um, they have been in a relationship and um, and need to be faithful to that first partner, however the situation is. And then there's people who are single because they have chosen to be single, uh, simply to be useful, more agile for the kingdom of God. So I can't speak from all those, and, and that's going to change the this landscape of what your life looks like as a single. Um, it is going to affect the needs that you have as a single. Um, 
And so if I misrepresent you this morning, I apologize. Um, uh, so I'm speaking from my, my perspective, my journey, and, and many that I have walked with, um, encountered, and, and talked with in, in my journey. Um, one thing that plays into this whole thing is, is the societal norms around us, how those change. So, for example, when I was, you know, when I was 20, 21, my early 20s, back in the 90s, early 2000s, um, uh, an old, older single was 30. Like, you hardly heard about anybody who was 30 and older getting married. Now it's not uncommon to hear people in their 40s getting married. So that, I think that does change our perspective as a church because the world is like the soil that we, that the church is planted in and, and what the condition of the soil does affect the, the, the plant. Um, not saying that it always should or that that's good. It just it is a factor. <laughs> and so, you know, when I was younger, single, you know, if you were single, it kind of sort of was the implication that there was something wrong with you. And today it can still mean that, um, but also can mean that you're a free spirit, that you are, have a sense of air and uh, an air of adventure and independence about you. Um, so I, th- I think those things are affecting us. And I think we need to evaluate them and, and think through what that's doing to us. Um, so what's the big deal about being single? And I wonder as, as I, as I accepted the topic and as the, the, the title was put on, I thought about changing it. Finally, I just decided I'm just going to leave it. It's, it's good enough. Um, but what goes through people when they hear the word single? Um, and why is it often looked at as a bad thing or a, a negative or a difficult thing? Um, and I think part of it is, is just because we were made uh, the way we were made as, as humans. And there are basic human longings that each of us have. They're good. They're right. They are, I would say they are needs. Um, one of those is, is companionship. Uh, we were not made to be alone. Um, that's one of the things that got broken with sin is fellowship, fellowship between God and humans. Or, and um, as well as the openness between humans. Um, the songwriter said this well. He said, I don't know a thing in the whole wide world that's worse than being alone. You know, the song, um, where no one stands alone. Um, and it's one thing to be alone because you are, uh, in a place where there are no other humans. It's another thing to be alone around other humans. That's the worst kind of loneliness because there is a solution there. And what is intended to be the solution, what is intended to be get nurturing, is not. I really think that's part of what David was talking about in Psalm 42, the, as the, as the heart panteth after the water brooks. Um, uh, uh, why are you cast down my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Psalm. Um, and he says this, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God to the, with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. And I, the picture I get there is, his inner agony was 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 intensified by the fact that he's going through all of this difficulty. I think he's probably talking about his times of running from Saul and all that and um, and all of the distress that went with that. And he's going with the he's going with everybody else 
and everybody and, and rejoicing, but inside he's, he's, he's deeply torn and, and, uh, distressed. Um, and I wasn't able to, to express that. <laughs> In my life, that's been one of the biggest difficulties is being alone among other people. Um, feeling like I am, uh, somehow I'm not able to connect. I'm not part of what everybody else is. Um, part of that is community, um, being part of, of something, um, intimacy, um, known in this, or to be with some people that, that know me well. Um, belonging, um, ownership, again, the idea of being part of something. Um, again, our, our songs talk about these longings and these needs we have. There's a song, Evening Always Finds Us Going Home, that talks about, says, um, Somewhere there's a place of comfort where people always long to go. Home is where the heart is drawn to. An evening always finds us going home. And my heart turns to the place where I belong. The stars come out and tell me day is done. My steps are light and in my heart a song. Evening always finds us going home. Songs like that for years were, were very difficult for me because I didn't have that. Um, quite the opposite. Um, Songs like uh, Hold Tight to the Sound, um, uh, We Have This Moment. Um, the one verse says, uh, tender words, tender touch, and a good cup of coffee, and someone who loves me and wants me to stay. Um, belonging. Uh, Robert Frost in his poem, The Death of the Hired Man, depicts this idea um, as the husband and the wife discuss the hired man coming back to them and, and the probability that he felt some sort of home with them um one says it this way that home is something that you don't have to deserve and the other one says home is some place that when you go there they have to take you in and those are kind of two tensions that express this idea of belonging somewhere being owned by by others <laughs> trust um, mutual trust trust where you are open and vulnerable to others and where people are open and vulnerable to you and you have this responsibility of, um, to take care of others is an integral part of, of being human. Um, someone to give to, someone to invest and to pour your life into. Um, and then the wholeness brought by God's image in the opposite gender. This is a huge issue with the whole thing of being single is that, um, is that desire or being drawn to the other gender and that's not simply sexual but god expressed himself by creating two different genders who uniquely with some of it overlaps but who each uniquely demonstrate a part of god's nature and so to be in a place where there is just men all the time we miss out on god's image um to be in a place where there was just women all the time uh, we miss out on God's image um, and the wholeness that's brought by the two working together. I, I am very firm about this, even for singles, that we need the opposite gender, um, even if it's not in a, a physical or a marriage type of relationship. Um, that's good and healthy to to be around and work closely together with and have friendships with uh, with each other. Uh, more on that later, hopefully. Um, so anyways, so this, these are, these are things that are fundamental parts of how we were built as humans and that God created human relationships, um, to, to provide and to, um, 
to um to just be a part of how we are as humans and how we live and that all was designed to take place in a marriage uh in a family um that's what human society is 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 collections of families living and working together um most people are married um Many marriages are not even remotely oases of these these kinds of, of things, these human characteristics. Some people don't have the opportunity to experience these things in a marriage. Um, and people who are not married are naturally disconnected from the natural flow of human relationships and wholeness. So in a, a marriage and a family where there's a, a, a both parents are present and are living in, in harmony under Christ. It's a natural foundation. All the elements are there. And um, these kind of things are, are naturally um, provided, not without struggle and, and difficulty. But um, it, but a, a person who is not naturally part of a, a biological family um, naturally has to subsidize all these things because they're not in a position where these kind of things naturally are going to uh, be able to sprout and grow. Um, at the same time, that doesn't make the person any less human, any less um, um, in need of of those things or less um, geared to produce and to operate in those kind of of activities and, and mindsets and, and emotions. So enough about being scholastic and defining being single, but hopefully that presents some context here about this whole thing and why this thing about being single is a, is an, is an issue. And again, I'll address this more later, but just because a person is married does not mean that they experience those things. Actually, I would argue that probably the majority of marriages in the world and, and sadly too many in the church are not places where those things are really being experienced. Um, but as a single, naturally, you know, there's no soil there for those things to be able to grow for very little. I want to talk a little bit about the concept of a calling. The title says uh, call, uh, singlehood, a calling to be stewarded. And um, a calling can be um, a compulsion from within, um, either to answer a need or to exercise a discipline. Um it can also be a circumstance that requires you to operate within certain parameters in order to honor Christ. So in my life, that's one thing that I struggled with is, so what, how am I supposed to know? Am I called to be single? Um, you know, am I supposed to get married or am I supposed to be single or how am I supposed to know? What am I supposed to do with, with my, my, um, my desires, my longings? Um, and the first one is subjective. So an inner compulsion or, or, or in our, our, in our post-Reformation world, uh, through the influence of Augustine and, and Calvin, we have this concept of predestination or determinism that God has scripted out our lives and somehow we have to clue into what we're supposed to be doing um, about details that are not prescribed in scripture. And while I don't want to minimize that, God's spirit can speak to us and does speak to us and give us nudges from within that are not written in scripture. Uh, I think that a lot of problems uh, in my life anyways, and in many singles that I've, I know of and people who are no longer single, but have gotten married 
that that has made a big problem is this thing of how am I supposed to know what God's will is for my life? And what if I'm going against God's will? Maybe God wants me to be single or maybe I'm called to be single and I don't know it. And so I keep asking, keep trying to pursue relationships and, and they, they, they don't work out because I'm going against God's calling for me. And I would like to just as a whole push back against that concept. Um, more on that a little bit later on. Um, I do believe God can speak and, and, and lead somebody to that. It's something that they're going to know. Um, but that's subjective. And primarily our calling, when the Bible speaks about a calling, it's a calling to be obedient children. It's a calling to leave the, the mold of this world and be shaped according to Christ. It's a calling to be, to be joyful. Uh, it's a calling to, to forgive. It's a calling to serve. It's a calling to be humble. Those are clear callings. We know that. It's a calling to be pure. So when I think about this thing about uh, being single as a calling, if you are single, you are called to be single. <laughs> you may be married in six months or a year, but right now I am called to be single. I do not necessarily feel like I'm called to be single all my life. I don't. I really don't feel like I need to determine that. All I need to know is that today I am called to be single. And so therefore I need to relate to my circumstances and, and myself and God and others in a way that makes me to be able to be an obedient child um, and to work together with his, his family, his church. <clears throat> so we always know that we're called if we are single. We are called to be pure. We're called to be joyful. We're called to be thankful. We're called to be responsible for ourselves and to serve others. Those are clear things that scripture tells us, just like any other, any married person. Um, yeah, the, the, the concept that there is a, a, a plan scripted out is really a superstition that was carried over um, and, and, and and, and infused into Christian doctrine by Augustine and Protestant reformers like Calvin, that God is over all things. And, and he, um, he scripts out our lives and we have to somehow clue in on that. Um, rather, I believe God is sovereign over all things. Nothing surprises him or will thwart his plans to redeem humanity. Um, and God does desire to weave into our lives. Um, other people and events um, to, to shape us and to give us opportunities to shape others. Um, but the concept that there's God's will is like this, this treasure hunt and we got to follow clues to figure out what it is or else we're missing out on it as abundant, um, abundant problems and difficulties that that's sort of a topic for another time. But I found that to be a, Myself and also in, in many others I've talked to, to be a real battleground that makes a lot of, of, of problems with this. Um, and even going through romantic endeavors, um, those kind of concepts often complicates when in those things don't work out. So, for example, somebody felt like, well, I had these signs from God. You know, we, we both felt led. We both felt. God leading us to this relationship, you know, so what now what do I do with that? Because I thought this was God's will. Um, and so I, I really 
would push back against depending heavily on signs, um, quote, for God's will. I know Gideon put out the fleece, but God never, God never um, tells people or really um, endorses leaning on those kind of things. I'm not saying that God can't and doesn't ever work through that, but they also can just simply be coincidences that we interpret. Um, you know, for example, one time I was thinking about a girl I was interested in. I thought I said, Lord, I was close to her house. I said, Lord, if, you know, uh, let us, let us cross paths, you know, and sure enough, I drove past and there she's pulling out from the intersection. It's like, see, so this is God's will. Well, it didn't work out. Um, and then that's confusing. Um, I've heard people use, and I allow myself to be influenced by the open your Bible and point. And one time I'm not going to say the name because it would implicate a person, but uh, I opened my Bible and as point blank as anything can be point blank, it said that I should pursue this person and it, it didn't work out. Um, I've had friends, you know, I was thinking about it and here. A friend comes up to me and says, Hey, you know, what about this person? You know, she would, she would, you know, and, and then when things don't work out or in that case, I found out later she was already engaged. Um, I, uh, that gets really confusing and distressing. It's like, so what, you know, is God playing games with me or how am I, what am I supposed to do with these things? And I think that there's a lot of bad thinking about that concept that God's going to show me through some sign. Um, and I also, in my life, I think that one of the problems is, is I think then that if God leads me into something that therefore it is going to work out the way I, I, I would, I would uh, prefer and that I believe is erroneous. Um, yeah, I don't want to get into uh, the discussion about free will and, and, and how we do, uh, how all that works. But, um, I do believe that God will nudge us at times towards something that he knows is going to flop according to our, our perspective, our desires, our, our, um, our thinking, because he's going to use it to shape us or he's going to use it to make, to, make an opportunity to influence somebody else. And the mystery is that God does allow us to choose and allows our choices then to influence others. And the more closely we work together, the more, um, the more deeply that happens. Uh, that's one thing that I told a lot of single guys as we've talked about our experiences and breakups and rejections and things like that is I, I don't have the answers uh, to how to go about finding a life partner, obviously, and all that. I've learned some things about it. But one thing I do know, and that is that there is no nothing for a guy, at least. There's no way for God to get a handle on a man and work deeply in his life than through this issue. Um, and my encouragement is to, to let him do that. Um. So for, for people who would like to be married and are not and go through disappointments about that, there's questions that come up then. Uh, so, you know, what's wrong with me? Is there, is there something wrong with me? Am I, am I not relationship material? Is there something repulsive about me that is why I get turned down or why things aren't working out? Uh, is this there because there's something wrong in my life that I need to change? Is God trying to tell me something and I'm not catching on? Or is this just an exercise of, of discipline, of training in my life? Um, and, and those, there's no objective questions to those. 
Uh, one thing I've learned that is that panicking over them doesn't help anything. Um, and, and there are times to be honest with God, but not to kick yourself. So I can look back through different relationships I've, I've attempted and, and through all of them, I, there's been things that God wanted to do in my life. Uh, there's been things for me to learn. There's things I needed to face about myself, but I can't necessarily say, well, that's why that happened. Um, um, we could go on for the rest of our lives and say, well, yeah, I shouldn't have gotten married then because I still had this issue. Um, but God does allow our, our decisions to affect each other. And, um, and God always wants to work good through those things. Um, so there are times to be honest with God, but not to blame yourself and, and, uh, and feel like for some reason you've necessarily ruined your life because you have this problem that, that God wants you to face. Um, and there are times to be open with your brothers and sisters, um, and, and, and accept input in their lives. Ask them, allow them to be brutally honest with you about things in your life that may be causing, may be causing this. Um, although I think we should focus more that more on being people who work together well with other humans than on people who are, um, necessarily ideal potential marriage partners. I think the first produces the second, um, learning to work well with other people to serve, to love, to give, um, makes a person work well in, in a marriage. And when I say those kind of things, I'm talking, I've, I'm talking some from my observations and some because I've, I've had the privilege then being single to sit and listen to a lot of married men. And I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for their, the dose of realism that they've given me in life about marriage. If I ever am married, I'm sure I will be much better off, start off on a much better platform because of that. Um, another thing in this is that God's working in our lives doesn't have to make sense. We don't have to understand. That's ultimately where Job came to in uh, the end of, of, of his book there, end of his story, um, is where he didn't have to understand why this was happening, but he came to the point where he could trust the person. He saw that this person, God, had things going on that he couldn't scratch the surface of understanding and that he was good. And there was purpose and beauty in his designs and that he would, he chose to trust him with, with those unanswered and uncomprehensible whys. Um, yeah, so it, it doesn't have to make sense. And God may allow things in your life that it's not necessarily that you're doing something wrong, but God definitely will want to do things in your life through them. Um, God may lead you into something very difficult to grow or to use you. Um, one time I was going through a, a very messy, very difficult breakup. And um, I've talked before in some of my other talks about faith crises and things like that. And many of these issues, and this concept of God, what's God's will and what am I supposed to do about this um, really was a seedbed for some of those. And uh, this particular one, I was really struggling. I, I really felt like I, mentally, I felt like I was on the verge of a breakdown and most people don't can't believe that because I'm not the kind of person that walks around um, acting or looking like I'm, I'm shaky. Um, part of that is because I can't, I have to, when things are tough, I have to face life. 
um, resolutely and determinedly, um, or, or I, I will fall apart. So but I was, I was, I was driving a water tanker as the summertime school was out and, uh, and I literally was sitting in the break room there trying to get my brains together enough to be able to focus and, and, and perform my job to drive and praying and just flies and the devil is so logical and all those conversations with him and with, with the other person that you can have in your head. And I finally realized I need a sword. I've got to fight. I've got to fight back. I got to, I got to make this thing run. Um, and so the sword is the word of God. And so I'm like, I gotta, I gotta quote some scripture to him. And I just grabbed Hebrews 12 and started quoting. Um, and I got down there to where it talks about Abraham and it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into the place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. And I realized I'm in good company because many of the things God asked Abraham to do, they didn't make sense to him either. It looked completely counter to all the promises God had made when he was asked to, uh, to sacrifice Isaac. And yet he did it. And it was through his faithfulness that he was able to leave a legacy for us. And so uh, that was a big encouragement to me that if it doesn't make sense, that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It means it's an opportunity to exercise humble, childlike faith and trust and just step forward into the things that are clear, the things God tells us to to, to rejoice, to trust in God, to, um, to give thanks, to forgive, um, to serve, um, all those kind of things. Those are things we know are God's will. Another story that was shared with me one time that was encouraging to me about those kind of things. Uh, and I would, I would love to, to find, I don't never got the name of the book or the story or the individual, but there was a, a secret agent that was training in, in spy school and, um, he graduated and, was sent on a few small assignments and did well. And then he got done with the last one. And then he just didn't hear anything from, from headquarters. And, and it was like three years, nothing, just nothing, absolutely nothing. And he's wondering what, what did I do wrong? You know, just, so that's it. They, they can't use me anymore. And he really went through some, some struggles with that. And one day he's walking down the street and a car pulled up and the back door opened. And this guy's inside said, get in. And here it was his, his superiors and they said we've been watching you we you performed highly and we've been watching you these last three years to see how you're going to behave when you think it doesn't matter and when nobody's watching you and um we've been impressed and um as i was told the story he actually became one of the top spies not that that's a good thing but according to the kingdoms of this world he became extremely valuable he actually was so good that he became a um a diplomat for the country he was spying on. Anyways, bringing that story up, that was encouraging to me that sometimes it may actually be God's vote of confidence that he's allowing us to go through some very dark, confusing things to see if we're going to be faithful because there's other things that he wants to bring us into. So we never know. Um, we only know that if we trust God and if we're faithful in the small things, the clear things that he will, uh, in the end, we will, we will have we'll be able to stand with him and know that we were part of his kingdom growing and reclaiming planet earth. Also always remember that God's hand is, is, is always a gentle one when he is correcting through things. It's always to make us better. It's never to make us pay for what we've done, but to help us to, to see things as they truly are and to grow and to change. 
and it will um, turn out good in the end as long as our purpose becomes what his purpose is. And that's what Romans 8.29 says, is that God's purpose is, is that we grow to be more like Jesus. Um, a big part of that I've had to, to come to reckon with is that the Christian life comes with a cross. And it's not necessarily a cross. It's because I'm so uh, I'm doing something wrong. But um, this is the valley of sorrows. Um, this world is not okay. And it's because of sin, not necessarily just my sin, but sin is, as a human race. And um, it is through suffering that we join Christ in redeeming the world. And so we are all going to have a cross to bear. We're all going to have a sorrow in our lives, a difficulty that we just have to meekly bear um, joyfully and allow it to exercise us in godliness. Um, cheerful suffering is a tool to overcome evil. Um, the question, the question that we all have to face is what do we really want in life? Do we really want just to be happy and to get what we want? Or do we really want to be part of God's revolution and restoring humanity to follow King Jesus? Um, and if the latter is true, then it means we're going to suffer with him, um, so that we can reign with him. Um, uh, and we just have to be okay with that. And it's not a, I'm going to be a tough guy. And so I'm just going to, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me anymore. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a diff- difficult balance to maintain sensitivity, um, to things and to still feel and to still care. But to cast your cares on Christ, on God, as, as Peter says, to uh, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so he can exalt us in due time. And to cast our care on him, understanding that he cares and he feels. Um, he weeps at the tomb of Lazarus, even though he knows he's going to raise him again. And to allow that to, to comfort us. And then the, 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 the fascinating thing is, is as we open ourselves and we accept the the difficulty that God allows in our lives and we come to him and as, as a child to his father and we allow him to, to bear our sorrow with us and to comfort us. Then we have comfort as Paul says, we're able to comfort others with the same comfort that we are able to be comforted uh, with by God. Um, I've had some tremendous opportunities to do that and it makes your own struggles, your own sorrow feel very small and far away. Um, when you're able to sit there and look some of the eyes and say exactly what you're going through. I, I've, I've been there um, and I know how it feels and, and, and give them an outlet to express what they're going through and encourage them and demonstrate to them that working through these things is, is doable. Um, probably one of the more difficult ones. It was a young man that found out, in a very difficult way that some girls really did not have much for him. And I could have sat there and scolded him and told him, you know, dude, you, you, you gotta, you gotta buck up. You know, you can't, you can't blame your, your, your struggles and your problems on that. You don't have anybody in your life. That probably wouldn't have helped him. And so instead I just began to pray with him and just thank God for all the difficult things that he brought in my life and for the good that he did in my life through him. And I, <laughs> I probably bawled my head off like I never had before doing that. But when we got done, there wasn't anything to say. Um, I didn't have to argue with him. Um, I set an example and 
Um, those are tremendously precious times when your own journey, your own wrestling with God brings you to a place of peace um, that you can lift somebody else and set an example to somebody else for. Um, and yeah, I'm, I could cry right now myself, not so much because I'm feeling the pain, but just out of thanks, thankfulness to God for the goodness that he's brought in my life through those things for helping me to, to fight through them and, um, and to grow and to be able to, to overcome and to change, to not be drugged down um, by them in my life. Contentment is another issue that, that comes into play here. So, you know, people say, well, you need to be content with wherever you're at in life. One, one thing I, I had to face with accepting this talk is the, the fact is I probably am somewhere going to expose the fact that I'm still, I still need to grow in some things. And so maybe some of these things I, I may change. I know probably a year down the road, I'll have some different things to say about them. Um, but contentment doesn't necessarily mean that you don't want anything to change in your life. Um, Paul says that, you know, that he, he's learned how to be abased and how to abound, how to be full and how to be hungry. And he's learned in whatsoever state he is to be content. Uh, that doesn't mean that when he's, you know, they're floating on the piece of wood in the shipwreck that he's just like, boy, this is just awesome. I just love being baptized by these waves and, and feeling like I'm going to drown any minute. Um, but uh, he, he gets to a place where he's not striving against his circumstances and especially against God or other people, um, because of them. Um, and he's in, rather he's in a stance of rest. Uh, uh, he's poised to be able to reach out rather than a place where he's trying to secure himself and defend himself and protect himself. He's at rest with the circumstances. He's not fighting against them or against God or against people who may be causing them. And he's able to reach out and to bless and to help others instead. Um, I like the verse in Psalms. I, I don't, I don't necessarily have figured out totally what this picture is. Um, and for some reason, I didn't put the reference here, but, um, he says, Lord, my heart is not haughty nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. There's something in that picture there about a child who is no longer needy. Not that we don't still have needs, but he's no longer, he doesn't have to always be coddled and have attention and, and be pacified. He can be quiet and be by himself and not have to be being attended to all the time. Um, I like that picture of being quieted like a child that's weaned from his mother. Um, where, and, and ultimately, that's where we, we love little babies and little toddlers, but we want them to grow up to be people who are not needing all the time, but able to give. That's one thing that's been exciting for me as a, as a teacher, watching my students grow up and become people who now some of them are teaching. Um, some of them are married. Some of them have children now, and they're able to give to others. And that's what God, I think God wants us to grow to where we can give to others and we're no longer sitting in a place where we're, we're needing and definitely where we're not striving against the, um, our circumstances. And so as I think about contentment and being single, I don't feel like I need to say that I'm fine with being single the rest of my life. 
Uh, I actually think that's counter to the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I do think there's been times in my life where I realized that my contentment was was uh, contingent on hopes that this would not last forever. But I don't have to decide that. All I know have I, I know all I have to do is to be happy and um, thankful and fruitful in the life that God has given me today. And right now I am called to be single because I am single. And so therefore it's, it's, it's my duty. It's my obligation. It's my, my privilege um, to, to be joyful and to, um, to take advantage of, of the situation I'm in and use it to honor God and to bless others. So if you are single, you are, therefore you are presently called to be single and I told my students this all the time. Don't waste your single life. Um, and I don't mean go on all kinds of, of carnal adventures and, and, you know, spend thousands of dollars going out west shooting elk. I'm not saying never do that, but I'm not talking about those self-centered type of things. But there are so many opportunities while you're single to serve. Um, as much as I like to see my students graduate, I had a couple that dropped out at 10th grade. Uh, some, some ladies that dropped out in part was because they wanted to help other mothers. Um, that's, that's a tremendous, I, my, my hats off to them. I, I give them my biggest blessing. Um, tremendous, tremendous need for that. Um, there's also, I, I have friends that, you know, are 20 years old and they're going to Greece. Um, uh, one of the 18 year olds and is he 20 or is he 21 year old? I worked with, uh, spent some time up at a, a military base in Wisconsin this last winter with Afghan refugees, um, from the, uh, from the, the Taliban takeover there in, uh, Kabul. Um, just spending time with the, with, with the, the young people there, the, the boys there playing soccer most of the time, but just interacting with them, looking for opportunities to be a witness and to uh, be a stabilizing factor in their lives. Um, that's great. I wish I could have started some of that when I was younger. I, I was not in a place emotionally where I was secure enough to, I, I guess I needed home. Um, I was in my upper 20s before I started launching out on being away from home that long, uh, church home that long. But um, those are opportunities where well, you're single. You can't do that when you're married. Um, it's much more difficult. Uh, you have other people that depend on you and trust on you that you need to provide environment for. So those are tremendous opportunities to serve. And it's the irony of God's kingdom that when we, if you are going through heartache yourself because of longings that you have, that's a tremendous way to, transform them is to reach out to others that's how we we find we find purpose and healing in healing in life and um and ultimately in marriage a person's not going to find fulfillment unless they learn to uh, to orient themselves that way to to focus on what they can give to the other person how they can absorb the other person's difficulties um and bless them back so those are tremendous life um life skills that are important to develop. So yeah, don't waste, don't waste your single life. Take opportunities of the flexibility and, uh, and so forth. I know it's not all fun and games. I, 
I have a house. I live by myself. Uh, I, and you come home from work and you got to wash dish, cook food and wash dishes and do laundry. Um, and, um, all those kind of things as well. But, um, it's not like singles just have all the free time in the world, but there is a, a tremendous amount of, of agility that, that we have and a lot of free time to give to, uh, to, to others, to serving the church, to serving other people, to serving special ministries. I want to talk a little bit about reactions as singles. Uh, there's kind of this thing that there's people, it seems like there's people who either uh, all they can think about is romance and marriage, and they've just got to have a man in their life or got to have a woman in their life. Um, or else there, uh, there's this idea that you need to, Jesus is your husband. I don't know if I've ever heard of the Jesus is your wife, but you need to be complete in God as a person. My relationship with God gives me all the fulfillment that I need. And so I don't need a man. I don't need men in my life. I don't need women in my life to give me value and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that's a false dichotomy. Um, it seems, especially as singles, as we get older, especially after we've been through some disappointments, some, some, some very difficult relationships. Um, we tend to shy back. It looks scary. And that's part of why we're not as quick to probably we're more trepidated about those things. And just, I think it's important to be careful not, not to react. Um, I faced this on multiple levels um, with trust being broken on a family level, on a church level, leadership levels. And it's always better to open yourself and be vulnerable and trust than to, to wad up, to close yourself and protect yourself. Um, it's extremely risky, but um, it is very important when we try to, when we shrivel up and react and try to pull away, we, we, um, we, we ruin also the, the good that God can bring through our lives. I'm at a place church wise that that's that way right now that I'm, if I would have, held back and pulled back, I would be missing out on a tremendous amount of blessing that can also come through the vulnerability of trust. And I'm not saying that so much just about like, you need to open yourself to dating again or whatever, but outside of marriage, even God still made us male and female. And we are meant to complement each other and to display God's image by through working together. And so as a single man, I still do need, need women in my life. Um, in relationships to round me out and to round out our world and also on teams. Um, when Soldier of the Cross first started, we were all single and we needed the single ladies on our team incredibly to, to help balance out things and to help um, just take care of a lot of things from an angle that as men, we don't tend to think of as much. Um, part of my, the emotional health, health I'm enjoying presently in my life is is partly because of friendships with um, the wives of, of men in our church that I'm also friends with and in a completely clean and very platonic uh, manner. But there's something about that God made about our genders when we work together. There's a wholeness and a health that comes from that. So just be careful that you don't react and close yourself off both from providing and from receiving that kind of balance. Um. 
Also, I've, I've heard the, this idea that the solution to singleness and loneliness is that you need a relationship with God that gives you complete fulfillment. And I think there's some truth in that. We definitely need to come to a place of rest with God and where I'm, I'm, I'm secure in his love. And that gives me security about my circumstances. I, I could talk a lot more about that. But I think the mistake that often gets made is, and it's part of our, the, the modern gospel is that it's about me and God and not about me and God in his community. And a healthy relationship with God is going to bring me into close relationships with others that then challenges me and shapes me and that speak into my life and that I speak into theirs. And so that's my, that's my, um, Encouragement in my experience right now in life is that that is how many of those needs get met. Both my desire to have children, um, a lot of things like that. There are outlets for that. As I work together closely with God's family, there are ways that, yes, my relationship with God gives me stability so that I'm at rest with my circumstances. And I'm not always sitting there saying, well, you know, it would be a whole lot better if I had my own. But um God works through his people. It is through God's people, God's family, the body of Christ, that we experience God in a real way. There's, and I don't have time to get into a lot of behind that. But um, I think that's a, a wholeness to the, to the gospel that needs to be brought into this, um, this subject here. That as a single woman, you will re- experience the strength and stability uh, of, of men in your life through other men in the church, likely. Um, as a man, I already said that about being blessed and my life is made richer by the ladies in our church in a lot of different ways, whether it's just conversation, whether it's the environment they create in their families, whether it's the tip about how to get over my sore throat, um, lots of those things. Um, children is something that's incredibly important to me. And I enjoy the children and in our church, the families, the young people, um, um, that I don't have children of my own. Um, my, my students uh, were incredibly important to me for that. I was so thankful so many times in spite of the workload that God gave me people to pour myself into, to di- distract myself, to leave behind my own feelings and my own struggles and what was going on and to focus my life on pouring into giving to others, to making their life enjoyable, to having discussions about hard questions. Um, we can't talk about this concept of being single without talking about sexuality and just relax because I'm not going to get explicit or anything, but, and this is from a male perspective, but one big thing with this whole thing is, is, is sexuality and, and our sexual appetites, um, was a huge player in my life with it. And among men, there's this concept that men have needs and, you know, they have to be met, you know, and, um, People go to Roman to to First uh, Corinthians seven and say, you know, well, it says right there, you know, it's better to marry than to burn and uh, to avoid fornication. Every man should have his own wife. Um, I'd like to draw our attention back to the fact, though, that we are always called to be pure, and if we're single, we can't ever excuse our lust in our hearts and our minds or in acting that out because we don't have an outlet for it. Um, 
And really that is a, a big problem in marriages is men that think, well, they have needs and um, feel like that's an obligation that their wife has to satisfy their needs. That kind of orientation is going to devastate a woman. Uh, will turn a woman into a rag doll really fast. Um, there are problems in this whole thing that are women's problems. Uh, but one thing I do know is that this world will never, never be right until men, men get that straight, that they do not have to have sexual activity, sexual outlet, satisfaction um, in their lives. It's not a right. It's not a demand. Um, I struggled with that stuff for years, and I'm thankful, incredibly thankful to God um, to be able to say that I, that's not the major battle in my life, and I'm, a, I'm able to live in victory, um, especially young men, if you, especially if you have a problem with dabbling with pornography, let alone an addiction. That's something definitely that you need to get over before you pursue marriage. Um, that's enough said on that. But but we never can excuse sin in our life, either bitterness or or immorality or, or anything else, because we're we're single. That's uh, not excusable. Um, those are things. It may it may make a particular set of difficulties. Marriage would bring another particular set of difficulties. Too many things, but it's never something that we can excuse. And, um, and there are things that you're not going to get over by yourself. It's going to draw you into other people and brotherhood and opening up your life and examining your life and letting God deal with roots in your life that are causing those things. Um, a little bit to, to, to the, the church in, in dealing with this. Um, the irony of this is, 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 is that single people sit there and say, oh, I would love to have a family. Uh, many of them and married people sit there and say, oh, man, you just, you know, enjoy your sleep while you have it because you, uh, you know, once you have children, boy, it's, you know, they're great. But, you know, and uh, after I hear those kind of things interchange going on and I, I, I think about this poem. The title of it is As the King Passed By. And it says, as the king passed by through the narrow street with a thousand menials in his train, ready to catch the downcast rain. Or lie in the dust at his princely feet, a peasant sat in his lowly door, and the sunshine lay on his cottage floor as the king passed by. And unto himself the peasant said, as he caught the shimmer of purple and gold, and saw the menials, young and old, attend each turn of the royal head, how enviable a man is he, a life of ease and minstrelsy, as the king passed by. And as the king passed by, his eyes beheld the peasant sitting by his door in the golden sunlight on his floor, and beneath the purple, his weary heart swelled, and he sighed, what were it worth to be, like yonder peasant, trammel-free, as the king passed by. And so it was actually at school talking about graduation and, and all that that I kind of came up with that expression that there's green grass on both sides. And it's it's hilarious to me to look at both sides sit there, sitting there envying the other. Um. And so to married people and single alike, I would just say to try to be careful about that and especially arguments about it. I think they're rather foolish. Um, and I have married friends that will admit that or, or have, I guess, taught me that maybe I should say. Um, I, I'm not even going to try to get into deciding that now. Um, I will I say this. I, I have noticed, though, that for some reason it's okay for married men to sit around and talk about 
you know, how, you know, when you have a family, you can't do this and it takes that and, you know, and you don't get sleep at night and all this. But if a single person would sit there and go on about how lonely it is to go back to an empty house or, you know, having to cook all your own food and do your own laundry and all this kind of stuff, then they're, they're bitter. You know, they're, they're not being content with their circumstances. Uh, I'll, I'll just let you chew on that a little bit. Um, and by the way, it is okay to get somebody to clean your house. I have a, a young lady from church. Uh, one of our elders, 13 year old girl comes over and cleans every two weeks for me. And that's a, a tremendous lift. I try to take care of most of it by myself, but I'm busy with other things. I got stuff like this and other things and her help is incredibly helpful to free me up for other things. And there is just something about it. When she cleans, I can do the same thing, but there's something different. The house just feels different. Um, so, and I'm, I'm very thankful for how God has blessed my life through, um, ladies like that. My tune would probably be quite a bit different if it wasn't for my church family. Um, I, I have to pinch myself sometimes. I don't, I'm not part of a perfect church, but I have to pinch myself sometimes as I hear things and I see what's happening in, in our brotherhood. Um, Cause it's almost too good to be true. And I, I can say that I, I have family in, in church um, for years. I was the one sitting there saying, you know, I, I need fellowship. There'd be, you know, sometimes months, like six months, I go home from church and eat my own food and never not get invited over and just, um, and don't try to guess which church it was. Cause I've been in several, but the point isn't to reflect on any particular group, but God has always given me a few people to, I've always had somebody in my life I could talk to about deep issues. Um, and usually there's been a couple a family or two that I could at least socialize with semi-regularly. But, uh, at the brotherhood I'm at now, that's, it's the married men saying we need to get together more. I miss fellowship. We need to, we need to get together. We need to interact more. We need to share together more. We need to be part of a physical body where we actually, our lives are overlapping and we're, we're a relevant presence in each other's lives. It's the married men that are saying we need accountability. We want discipleship groups. We want to get together and challenge each other and, and set goals and help each other battle through the difficult things that, that we face in life. And so I'm just, I'm incredibly blessed to be part of that. Um, right now in my life. I hope that can continue for a long time. It may not. And I have to just be thankful right now for what God has given me and, and be ready to be okay. If things become more difficult, um, really this thing of singles in the church, it's a minority issue. Uh, it's an issue of how well we relate to people who are not experiencing or from the same background or whatever uh, as the norm. And or as the majority. And that's something I I mean this kindly, but as it seems like as playing churches, we don't do well with um, in our in our defense of of following Jesus. We tend to create cultures then that are are um, are very singular and um, tend to be very inbred and makes it very difficult for somebody, even if it's sometimes from a different community. Um, I've been through since my childhood years through, I think it's around 12 different Anabaptist communities. And um, there can be a lot of culture shock, even from Anabaptist community to Anabaptist community. 
Um, one thing I'll warn you, I'm not here to say don't speak Pennsylvania Dutch, but I was part of a church for seven years that like through the week, thankfully the, the, the services were in English, but through the week it was, and after the service, it was all Pennsylvania Dutch. And that created a barrier. It was like a wall. I had to stand outside and look in. And, um, and I learned enough Dutch to get by. So don't try to pull one on me. Um, I, I can, you, you, I'll, I'll figure out if you're trying to sell me in front of my face, but, um, I couldn't talk to children. Um, little children, you know, until they were five, six years old, I, I really couldn't connect with them. Um, I remember many times, uh, you know, youth singings after we got done singing, it would just be Dutch from one end of the table to the other. And I'd sit there and I'd look this way and that way. And people are laughing and talking. And I, and I was, I was outside. Um, and those were some tough years. Um, I think the church adjusted to some of that. Um, and, and the, it wasn't all bad people who didn't care. Um, it's just, there's a lot that happens through ignorance. So, um, the more we learn to think about and, and try to adapt to and allow ourselves to be stretched to other people's perspectives and, and, and backgrounds and things like that. Um, the more I think we'll be able to be the body, the body of Christ to, to other people, to, um, as married men, as married people, allow yourself to be stretched into this world of the single rather than always trying to bring the singles into the world of you as, as married people. Um, close relationships with families, there's risk because you're not family. Um, and as much as you may try to act like it and, and treat each other like it, you're not. And when the chips are down, if there's problems in the family, if the family's facing stress, it's the single person that's going to end up having to, to pack and go. Um, and I would just really encourage married people to keep a to really keep a close eye on how your family's health is going. And if there's too much, if they're over there too much and your family needs privacy, it's better to it's better to back it off early than to wait and let it get until there's a big problem and it's starting to stink. Um, so keep an eye on your family. Talk with your spouse about it. And and keep it healthy, keep it, uh, maintain it at a healthy level rather than waiting until um, it's too much. And maybe that doesn't even connect with you. I just I had some very difficult experiences with that. Some of it maybe I should have caught on to some things, but I was trying to trust in. Uh, yeah, the people said, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. And then finally, I found out, well, it wasn't. And uh, God did good in my life through that. But. Those things are very difficult. And also as singles, just remember that um, that families do need privacy and don't expect them to become family. Um, if you didn't have family, if you don't, there's never going to be an exact replacement for that. And so we just have to be happy with the gifts that God gives us of companionship, of belonging, and not try to replicate something that didn't that we missed out on or are missing out on. Um Married people try to realize that your single people don't have people to talk to. <laughs> Naturally, they don't go home and have conversation around the supper table and, and whatever. And so if they're going to have any sort of mental outlet for what's going on in their heart, in their mind, it's going to have to come unnaturally. 
uh, what I mean by that is they don't have naturally have people to go home and talk to about stuff. Um, and so thank you for bearing with us. Um, I'm incredibly thankful for the wives of many of my man friends who have patiently waited after church or gone to bed by themselves while I talk with their husbands, uh, many long hours. Um, and also single people just remember that and, and don't be careful of, of always having everything oriented towards you. Um, try to do things where you invite family to something or take them out to eat. Or if you have a place, invite them over for an evening. Even if you can't cook a full meal, you know, invite them to roast hot dogs around a campfire, but try to try to make sure that the relationship is two ways. Um, not just one way. Um, I really would like to say a lot about the church and, and all that, but I, I'm, as I got looking at what God is doing in our brotherhood, and again, I'm not saying that we're the ultimate or anything, but I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing some blessings I never have in my life before. And a lot of it, I don't know what to say. How, how do you, how do you do that? But there's, when we, when we view God's, when we view church as a restored human community that we follow Jesus and the point of following Jesus is so that we begin to live the way God created. There's all kinds of things that happen out of that. And I really feel like that's the good that's happened in our church has come through just a hunger after God and, and after how can we follow Christ, um, especially in restored relationships. That's been a weakness in our Anabaptist communities. Pardon me if that, if, if that doesn't jive with your experience, but where we have a carefulness about certain things about Jesus teachings and we're very zealous about maintaining those, but then there's other things. And often it's the relationship things, um, forgiveness and forbearance and kindness and um, viewing anger as wrong and things like that, that strife and things like that. Those are things that are neglected. And uh, somewhere when we humble ourselves and we begin to seek after Jesus and to find his grace and obey him in those those building blocks that the Sermon of the Mount is so full of that we become a restored family. And um, in my church, it's just singles really isn't a term. It's not that I don't, I hate, I hate it when we can't use terms like that because somebody's going to get offended, but it's people. We're people. And so the men need other man friends and the ladies need other lady friends and the men enjoy family interaction together. And so it's something that's going, there's activities going on of, of interaction and fellowship that the singles simply join just like everybody else. And it's not like we have to come up with some special program to take care of the singles. There's mindfulness about that to try to make sure that, you know, we have a place for lunch and things like that, but it's not a big focus just because there's, it's that kind of relationship and closeness and fellowship um, going on together across the board. One last thing I'd like to say is please don't tease. Um, I hear this a lot. I received it a lot. And the one church I moved to and like every week I was, somebody was having to make some nudge about, you know, how to get married, you know, you get yourself a wife. Well, you know, there's a way to take care of that. You know, I'm like, I already think about that way more than all of you. Okay. I've all I've read Genesis chapter two and believe me, I notice when there's a girl around that's eligible. Okay. I don't need any encouragement. I'm trying to become, be more at rest about the subject. And when you tease, you, you, you play with those emotions and you, 
So then I'm like, well, maybe I'm supposed to consider her instead of just, I don't know, it just clutters my mind with all kinds of things. And um, teasing about romantic relationships is just counterproductive. I don't care if it's an 18-year-old or if it's a 38-year-old. It's just a very poor way to approach it. And so I'd like to encourage you, for one, is communicate with your single friends and find out their story. Where are they at? Is it something that they never tried and they're just kind of awkward about? Or is it something that you know, they've tried and had a lot of disappointments and there's a lot of fears? And But find out where they're at and then walk with them through being content and, and finding their place in the world and possibly moving forward with it. Um, and I'm very open to, to advice. I was going to say that at the beginning and I forgot, but please don't call me and email me and say, well, you know, I just wanted you to know there's some, there's some wonderful single ladies in our church. Okay. Please don't do that. Um, not because I don't want any input, but because I want input from people who know me well and people who have fought through it prayerfully and who I can count on. This is, this is good advice. Not just, you know, I know that there are single ladies out there. Okay. Um, so don't, don't tease, um, be, be sensitive to it. And I know that's hard for some of you to understand because for you, it was, you know, you, there was trepidation and everything, but you, you married your, your high school sweetheart or however you want to say it and things have gone well. And it's hard for you to conceive of it being other than pleasant. And for some of us, it's actually quite the opposite. Um, it's, it's filled with a lot of, of, um, trepidation and fear and there, there's uh, it's actually triggering because our previous experiences always are a certain way and then it just like so why so why would she want me if the other ones didn't um those those kind of things to work through so communicate um be part of a body and find out know the people in your church and, and know where they're at in their families and in their lives and 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 um and then give input into their lives from that kind of perspective um, I don't, there's a lot more that could be said. I'm, I'm going to, I think I'm going to wind out here and, um, open it for some, some Q and A. I don't have a lot of time that, that took plenty long as it was. It's just hard to, hard to condense, um, 20 years of, of battling and, <laughs> and, uh, learning and growing into a one hour talk. But I really think that the, the key to this is, is, is pursuing wholeness as a body, as a church, where, um, where we actually are, are close in fellowship and work closely together to demonstrate, um, Jesus' way of being human together. And that is what is going to bring about meeting needs of whatever group of people it is, whatever sub, category of society it is and also what is going to demonstrate to the world um the beauty and the goodness um and the truth the fact that jesus is king and he can, he is the one to follow in life so i'll turn the time back over uh here to wendell hey well thank you very much bill thank you for sharing thank you for yeah bringing this this topic that it was really good for us, for me to hear. Um, I'm not in the same situation as you are, but and there, there are people who, I guess, yeah, I, I, it was really, it was really good 
and, and thank you for being vulnerable enough to share your own, your own journey in a way that I think can be helpful for others. Um, you said about that, about, you know, it's always, it's always good to trust and be vulnerable in, in relationship. And, and thank you for demonstrating that here this morning, sharing yeah, your story. It's obviously very personal and, and deeply. Yeah. Just like it would be for all of us who either whether we're in that situation or not. Um, you made some comment about, about not know. Oh, you said you, you quoted from, from Hebrews 11 there where it says Abraham, he went out not knowing where he was going, you know, knowing whether he went. Um, and I think that's a, that's an essential part of trust. Uh, you're, you were pushing back about on this idea that knowing God's will is needing to know the details of our life and, and like God has prescripted everything. Uh, and we, we're following this script if, we, if we're doing his will instead yeah, leaving some more God has has given us free will and given us the opportunity to choose. And, and the reality that trusting God is not knowing everything. I think sometimes maybe that the, the, the desire to want to know the details of like what what is God's will for me and, and knowing, needing to know that in like a really detailed way. Maybe maybe we need to do some more trusting. So thank you, Bill. Um, I was going to have some questions for you about how, how we as a ch- um, like especially those of us who are married and in a church community, how we can help you help those who are singles like affirm and, and uh, bless them. I think you did some, gave us some good thoughts on that here near the end. So I don't know if you have any more pointers on that. If not, yeah. Do you have any, you have any more thoughts on that? What, what can a church community do? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's a big subject. Um, uh, Yeah, I, I I don't. I, that's probably one of the, ironically, probably one of the more difficult um, things for me to pinpoint down, really. Um, and I I I feel like that's probably one of the biggest things is is if don't focus on the singles, but focus on on fellowship and and knowing each other as a church. I'm not saying that it doesn't maybe take special attention to make sure that the singles have that. But as, as we create that kind of culture as a church, I think it's going to take care of a lot of this. That's my experience anyways, in being in a couple different group uh, church communities since I've in my single year, since I left home when I was 21, that that's what makes the difference. They go hand in hand together. It's a community that is close in our family and know each other. Well, um, that those are the those are the kind of communities where singles feel at home, and it's where singles find uh, find family and find their their emotional and relational needs met. Um, in our church, like I said, you know, like battling with purity and things like that. I I was always the one saying I want accountability. I need somebody to talk to. I want somebody to check up on me. I want somebody to be able to call and say, Hey, I need help. And it's actually been married men. Um, who maybe not on that particular issue so much, but who have in our church have, have called for that and, and been part of putting together small groups like that where we sit together. It's happening this morning right now at home. I'm, um, uh, discipleship groups, we call them are sitting together and 
there's questions we ask each we we all check in and say this is how we're doing this is how this went and we all set goals for ourselves and um try to help each other overcome and uh, things in our life that either are lacking or that they're just things we need to be exercised in so i i don't know that that's as I've talked about this, I've talked to different people at my church about it. And I don't, I, I don't know. I think I don't, I don't know what to say really, as far as like, it's not like about making certain programs and things like that, but it's when we relate together healthily and we view our purpose as a church is not as a check-in club to make sure we're still good to go to heaven, but that we are here to, to, to be a restored human family. Um, like would have been in the garden of Eden as, as humans grew. And to live together in closeness, that's our purpose is to live closely together and do the hard work of of blessing each other and uh, working together in love and forgiveness um, to demonstrate Jesus way to the world that in that context, then there, there's so many things like that. I'm becoming more and more convinced that there the solutions to our difficulties as churches is really a, just a real simple, straightforward following the very clear, simple things Jesus says. Um, and then there's so many things get taken care of in that process. Then, so I'm sorry if that's overly simplistic, but that's, that's my conclusion at the, at, at the present about it. Hey, well, thank you. Amen to the, to the, um, your, your push for us to be, the communities that, that God created us to be. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Okay. Open it up to any others. Any other, someone else have questions here? We like Bill, you said you don't have much time. You need to get going here soon, probably. No, I'm, I'm good. I got, I got an hour yet. So I'm okay. going to drag it out. I know you try to get this thing shut off after seven sometimes. Sure. Okay. So let's, if you have questions, bring them on. See, um, it's open for you all. Thank you, Bill. I um, really appreciated what you shared here this morning. Uh, particularly one thing you talked about is um, knowing the will of God. And um, as it pertains to this subject, you gave the question, you know, is it God's will that I be single? And you said, well, it's uh, God's will that I be single today because that's that's where I am. And uh, I think that's a beautiful way to look at it. Yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing. I want to uh, bless you for for all the comments you gave. I think it's um, a topic I want to listen to again. Yeah, and I, and I just I want to give glory to God again because this is I couldn't have I couldn't have shared this two years ago probably even. Um, not that I was just you know in the dumps in a wreck, but it's it's been a long difficult journey, and uh, and so I, I hope that if someone's on here and they're where I was 10 years ago or five years ago or, or wherever that um, it can be encouragement to you that it's, it, it is doable and God can work in your life and, um, and bring you to a place of rest. And um, yeah, I hope, I hope he can get some mileage out of, out of a, a struggle that I gave him a lot of, a lot of grief over. Amen. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people really who should get lined up and get a lot of, a lot of credit for being people God could work through. Um, God is through my students, um, through the, some of the little children at our church, 
the little 13 year old girl that cleans for me, the, the wives of many of them, my men friends, the men who have spent time invested in my life have been friends. Um, I'm a debtor, a debtor to them all. God has, God has blessed me richly through, through all of them. Well, thank you everyone for joining us this morning and, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was good to hear you. Thank you so much for sharing, Bill, and being, like I said, being, being vulnerable and being willing to share your story. And that's, that's always, it's a good way to bless God's kingdom. And I appreciate your doing that. So, um, two weeks from now, we're looking forward to having Edsel Burge on talking about um, the economics of the kingdom of God. So yeah, thanks for everyone for being on. Thank you, for, Bill, for sharing. Would you lead us in closing prayer, Bill? Here. Thank you um, for your love to us. And there's so much we we still don't understand about the world and the reality that you've created and why everything has happened the way it has. But we do know that you're good. And help us, Lord, to grow in in being children, um, people who look up to you um, and realize that we. We need to learn and to be shaped by you and to trust you. And I pray, Lord, that we could uh, we could grow in in being at rest and contented in our circumstances wherever we are at, and and viewing them as opportunities for you to work through us and work in us. And um, I pray for. Uh, for your church, especially in the, the communities that each one of these people who are listening are part of, Lord, that we could truly grow together and be knit together in bonds of, of love, that our hearts can be enlarged to the strangers, to um, stretch to the broader humanity that the world is full of. Um, I pray, Lord, for each single person that's on here that is wrestling with with how to live out their lives and how to handle the, the desires that they have and um, give them grace, Lord, to um, to reach out to you and to be able to find security in your love and also to be able to find that, Lord, in, in the brotherhood and the body of Christ. And um, so that there can be a, a powerful demonstration to the world of of victory, of uh, of good triumphing over evil and of the, the goodness of King Jesus in his life. In, in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone. And God bless your day. See you next time. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend.